Welcome back to the Spirit Sky Podcast. I am Rich, your guide through the intoxicating world of spirits, books, movies, music, and anything else that I feel like connects us as humans. And on this week's episode, we are talking about Cinco de Mayo, a sizable amount of tequila samples that I have, and how money can ruin everything. First off, I want to thank you guys for taking a little bit of time out of your day, out of your week to spend it listening to me rant and ramble. I really do appreciate it. And, you know, hopefully on this episode, what I've been trying to do a lot lately is kind of help customers navigate sort of the minefield of a liquor store, you know, whether it's going to Total and figuring out where the whiskeys come from or, you know, how to navigate the rum section of the store or the bourbon section. Uh, and this week, I want to talk a little bit about how to navigate the the kind of flood of Mezcal selections, you know, because Mezcal and tequila are both really hot right now. They're growing and we're getting inundated with stuff. And, you know, when you guys walk into a store, there just seems to be new brands of Mezcal popping up and new brands of tequila popping up. And it can get a little overwhelming. And, you know, sadly, for a lot of folks, you know, they see a commercial for Casamigos or Patron or, you know, a particular Mezcal. They're looking for Casamigos Mezcal because they recognize the brand. And because it's not easy to navigate, sometimes we just sort of go with what seems to be tried and true and trusted and what we feel like we know. So I've been trying really hard lately to kind of give some help, some spiritual guidance on how to navigate the minefield of spirits. And this week I'm doing it with Mezcal and tequila, what to look for on the label, um, what some of these words mean uh, and how they can influence the flavor and the price uh, and things like that. So hopefully you guys find this uh, helpful, informative, fun. Uh, I also kind of took another one for the team on this week's episode. Um, Hopefully you guys appreciate uh, that I don't all don't always get to taste great stuff. Sometimes I taste things that turn out to be really, really awful, uh, but I do it for you. Um, so hopefully you guys appreciate it, and hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. And if you do, you guys know the drill. Go to the podcast page, click that follow button, give it a five-star rating, share it out on your social media, uh, follow along on Facebook and Instagram where you can leave comments and reviews about the podcast. And you can message me through both of those platforms. And for anything else you need to reach me for, you can reach me at thespiritsguide89 at gmail.com. All right, guys, enjoy the episode. Cheers. All right, here we are. Spirits Guide Podcast Season 3, Episode 17. Happy Cinco de Mayo to all of you. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what I'm calling this episode yet. Uh, I was going to call it Happy Cinco de Mayo. And I was also going to call it Sizable Amount of Samples. You know, I've done that that podcast before. And I just realized I had a whole bunch of tequila samples, little 50 ml vials sitting around here in the studio. And I was going to do a sizable amount of samples. And that kind of tied in with Cinco de Mayo. Perfect timing. And I also might just call this uh, how money ruins everything. <laughs> um, and they all kind of are interconnected. Uh, and that is sort of the direction I'm, I'm going today. This one, Craig, this one is for you. <laughs> um, 
for a couple of reasons. Thank you uh, for the wonderful gift this week. Um, yeah, people like us who are hunting down old granddad bottled in bond, not Pappy, not Weller, not Blanton's, not Eagle Rare, old granddad bottled in bond. Thank you so much for that. Really do appreciate it. Um, and I love how you refer to me as sort of the anti-capitalist. So yeah, there's going to be some some ranting going on on this episode uh, for sure. But a lot of my mind, let's get to it. You guys just heard the can crack, which seems to be the way I'm opening the podcast here every week. And again, I think I think I'm about to take another one for the team here, guys. What I just cracked a can of in in this. And, and by the way, I'm not really anti-capitalist. I, I believe in a, in a meritocracy that if you work hard and you earn it, uh, you should be able to have it. And if you work harder than everybody else and you can make more money than everybody else, then you should be able to. Um, it, it's just it's a matter of, you know, how much work you want to put in and what kind of life and person you want to be the, you know, the question is, is what do you do with that money when you get it? Do you use it for good or do you use it to make more money? I don't want to go down that, that rabbit hole. We're here to talk about spirits and, and not, not finances, but you know, I I've kind of ranted and rambled a lot recently about, you know, the, the candy cigarettes of our generation, uh, you know, simply having a hard version and peace iced tea, having a hard version uh, Sonic having a hard version of their slushies, Fresca having a hard version of that. Uh, you know, just it goes on and on and on. Um, and there is no doubt that these packages and products are designed and are catering to kids. You know, I, I read these reports every day of, you know, Big liquor companies feeling like they're losing the younger market because younger kids, for whatever reason, uh, they're just not that interested in drinking. Um, you know, maybe they're the kids of, you know, the parents who were in sort of the 80s and 90s drinking boom uh, and they watch their parents drink a lot. I don't I don't know what the reason is that the younger generation entirely doesn't want to drink as much Um but there seems to be this rush to kind of get them to drink and drink fast, which is what they were doing with candy cigarettes years ago, so that when you were old enough to purchase them, you already had a brand in mind. And all right, we'll just cut right to it. The can that I just cracked may be the most glaring, blatant packaging that is catered to kids. And what I just cracked is the Sunny D Vodka Seltzer. Yes, that Sunny D, uh, that kind of weird orange drink that a lot of us had as kids that, uh, as, as my niece kind of said at, at work today, uh, nobody drank after they were eight years old because once you develop taste buds, you realize that it just wasn't good. Uh, I don't think there was any oranges actually in Sunny D. It was like this kind of orange flavored drink. Quite honestly, I'm not even sure if it's still around. It, it might be. Um, I had Sunny D as a kid. It appeals to kids. It's it's sweeter. It's thicker. It's whatever. The question is, is does the world need a hard version of it? Uh, my answer is no. And really, I think this, you know, when you look at the package, 
the color scheme, it looks very appealing to kids. It looks like something kids would be drawn to. And again, my fear is, and it's morbid and it's macabre, but, you know, some, you know, whatever adult of legal purchasing age who has children is going to buy this product. It's going to be in their fridge. They're not going to have the conversation with their kids about it. And your 10-year-old kid is going to open the refrigerator door and go like, whoa, Sunny D in a can. They recognize the color scheme. They can't really read the term Sunny D, but they recognize the, the grouping of letters that looks like the Sunny D on the juice label. Now it comes in a can. Cool. And that small child is going to grab this can, crack it open, drink it, and something bad could happen. And that really worries me on a moral level. And it 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 worries me to the point where I was on the fence of whether or not we were going to bring it into the store. But I think people will look at it and it's sometimes it's, it's just one of those business things where you, you hope that the adults who buy this uh, kind of point out to their kids like, Hey, this is not for you. Uh, do not drink it. Now all sort of moral and ethical questions aside, the question is, is it any good? Uh, you know, and when it came in, some of the, the younger people that I work with at the store uh, who are on the TikTok, as the young kids say, um, I don't, TikTok is, is maybe the worst thing of all the social medias to me, but so I don't do anything on, on TikTok, but you know, their comment was they've seen this all over TikTok, which is basically just sort of guerrilla marketing uh, to put it in the eyeballs of of all these, the younger people who are on TikTok. And, and, you know, I've seen it on Instagram and I've seen it in a bunch of other stores. So kind of had to do it. Um, but I did so begrudgingly and yeah, now I'm going to see if the, the liquid is any good. And it smells like, it smells like orange, not going to lie. Just kind of smelling through the, the opening of the can. I haven't poured this into a glass or anything. Uh, here's your, your vitals on it. Four and a half percent alcohol. It does say contains alcohol, uh, kind of in small print around the top. It's gluten free. Um, I want to say it's about 95 calories, kind of standard for what these things are. Uh, two grams of carbs in it. Yeah, it smells like like tang or like orange gummy vitamins. It's all right. Here we go. It's. Ooh. It's not terrible. The orange is really orangey, not in like a, like a fresh orange. It's, it's very orangey that leaves a very sweet, kind of slightly tart uh, sort of finish in my mouth. Almost kind of gives you that that pucker effect. It, it's not terrible. I can see where younger drinkers of legal age, you know, that 21 to 24 people who don't necessarily like the taste of alcohol 
I can see where this would appeal to them. You know, it doesn't, even though it says vodka seltzer, there, there's no, it doesn't seem like there was any vodka harmed in the making of this product whatsoever or any oranges. I mean, it is what it is. I think it's a, a flash in the pan. I, you know, I took the plunge, bought the four pack. I'm a trooper. I'm a professional. I'll finish the four pack. Um, but I don't know that I would ever buy it again. Again, it's 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 a four pack. It's ten ninety nine on the shelf. Uh, no deposit because it supposedly has vodka in it, though there's no taste of that anywhere. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it says zero grams of sugar, but there are two grams of carbs, and carbs do convert to sugar. Um, ninety five calories, four and a half percent. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not that pirate piss that I drank last week. That's for sure. Uh, but largely kind of a glad I tried it. It's not horrible. Probably never buy it again. It'd be like like if they did a, a re-release of Zima, uh, which they did a few years ago. And people went nuts because it was Zima and it was nostalgic. And they bought a six-pack. And they went, Ugh, yeah, no, I understand why I stopped drinking it. After a four-pack of this, you'll remember why you stopped drinking Sunny D uh, as a child. Oh, it just tastes so sweet. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, no. Any grown adult probably should not be drinking this. All right. Here's what's going on this week in my spirits world. Speaking of RTDs, again, the redundancy, uh, Deep Eddie Vodka is adding a line of vodka in hard tea to their RTDs. Um, I don't know what flavors there are. I, I kind of stopped caring about the flavors. But the fact is, is that Deep Eddie which already has a, a vodka, I think they're vodka sodas or maybe vodka lemonades, are now coming out with a vodka tea line extension. Again, the world doesn't need it, but if you're wondering, you know, the next time you buy Deep Eddie, why it cost a dollar more than it did the last time you bought it, that's because we had to finance this new RTD lineup. There's a company called Big Sips that are launching a whole lineup of RTDs. And again, I stopped kind of noting all the flavors, but... There's a couple of different margarita flavors. There's a pina colada flavor. There's a chocolate martini. Uh, and then there's two or three different punches. Uh, again, the ones that are on the market aren't selling already. I don't understand who is out there, you know, as a, a venture capitalist or somebody's having this great idea. You know what the market needs? We need more fruit punch RTDs. And, and somebody giving them money and getting this product launched blows my mind um there's a company called flybird fiesta uh they are owned by don sebastiani and son uh don sebastiani and son is the company that owns the bib and tucker bourbon which was a bourbon i was never really a fan of uh really kind of plain minimal bottle that doesn't have a lot of writing on it uh, the last time i tasted it, it wasn't really a great bourbon uh, but they're launching Flybird Fiesta shots. Um, and this one, I did write down the flavors because they're just uh, doing things for the sake of being different. Uh, 
There's a lime and jalapeno. There's a passion fruit and tagine. I, who knew that that was a flavor combination that people wanted? Uh, a pina colada and pina, uh, papaya, a strawberry and guava. These are agave-based. No, they are not coming to a store near you that I work at any time soon. Uh, and then this one, another sort of disturbing co-branding. Uh, Absolute announcing this week that they have partnered with Ocean Spray Cranberry Juice to launch a line of vodka cranberry RTDs. Uh, they are not launching until 2024, but you are going to start to see some co-branding and co-packaging uh, of these two brands. Uh, corporations getting smaller, less and less. I, I don't... I, do we need this? No. Uh, and again, if you're wondering why the cost of Absolute is going up a buck, it's because they're developing a brand new product uh, with Ocean Spray. Here's a, a, a one that kind of crosses a couple of boundaries, uh, and it's Vibe by Vendage. Now, Vendage is a brand of wine that's been on the market for as long as I've been in the business. And wine, I talk about it all the time, is a declining dying category uh, in the spirits world. And what I'm starting to see is this desperation of all these sort of wine brands who have a glut of juice trying to figure out what to do with them and how to make them appealing to kids. Uh, Barefoot has their fruit Moscatos and Sutter Home has their you know, lemonades and iced teas and their fruit wines. And um, yeah, Set of Home, Yellowtail, Barefoot. Uh, there's a bunch of these brands out there that are just putting fruit in their wine or making cocktails out of them. I think Boda had a wine-based margarita in a box. And it, they're all just ways to kind of appeal to, to younger kids. And that's what Vendage is doing. Uh they're, they're calling it Vibe. It's it's a wine-based little Tetra Pack, which are like those little cardboard boxes uh, that hold like 500 milliliters. It's wine and juice and very colorful, very appealing package designed to appeal, again, uh, to young kids. So uh, to me, that's proof that wine is dying uh, when you're trying to do all this stuff to get people to drink your juice. Um, I read an interesting article this week um, about White Claw and White Claw Vodka, White Claw Vodka and Soda, uh, which is owned by Mark Anthony Brands. Uh, they were the ones who started Mike's Hard Lemonade. Uh, they've got some other, they own a brand called Bareface, which is a Canadian whiskey, which is marginal at, best it's it's drinkable but nothing you should ever spend money on uh they just bought glendalock irish whiskey not a bad pickup there but i was reading an interview with them and they're talking about you know how they're growing and to me mark anthony brands they hit big with mike's hard lemonade and then mike's hard lemonade kind of trailed off and they went to like mike's harder and added all these flavors to kind of keep that ship going uh, and they were kind of in trouble when White Claw launched. Uh, they also own Cayman Jack, which is probably one of the better pre-made margaritas. Uh, I used to sell it at one of the bars that I worked at. Pretty, pretty good. Um, 
but they're, you know, they're the, the president's being interviewed. You know, what do you think of, you know, your position with the white claw vodka and the white claw vodka soda? And they kind of arrogantly just, you know, we expect to lead the category. And I thought just how, how clueless are you that first of all, brands like white claw are what killed the flavored vodka market because people used to buy flavored vodka and mix it with soda water and then White Claw and Truly and High Noon and all these brands came out, basically just kind of catered to our lazy nature as human beings and said, here, here's your flavored vodka and soda already made up in a can, ready to go for you. And I have seen it on the ground level that flavored vodkas are dying by the day. You know, brands like Three Olives, which were completely built on flavored vodka, barely even exist anymore. Because people just buy them pre-made. So I, I don't get how you made these White Claw, you know, hard seltzers and then vodka sodas. You killed the flavored vodka market. And then you enter the flavored vodka market and expect to dominate it. And and I just don't get, uh, maybe people are that dumb. Uh, well, they'll buy, you know, a, uh, White Claw flavored vodka and a 12 pack of White Claw vodka sodas. I don't know. It just, it seems kind of arrogant to think that you're going to dominate the category that you killed. <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing just kind of seemed a bit uh, silly to me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's White Claw. They, they think they're going to take over the seltzer, the vodka soda and the vodka market. Um, good luck. Good luck uh, kind of trying that. Uh, and this one I thought was really interesting. Uh, Total Wines co-founder, and I didn't write down his name because I don't really care. Um, he is in the House of Representatives right now, and he is running for Senate. And I don't know how I feel about that in the sort of spirits world where Total Wine is a predatory business model that wants to put all the local independent stores out of business. Um, so they can have it all for themselves. And again, if you win that war, you should be entitled to the spoils. But, you know, where is it good for the co-founder of Total Wine to be in the Senate? I, I don't know. It, it just seems like it could be a bad thing for the whole spirits world. Um, that'd be like, you know, the president of Diageo getting to be in the Senate and then getting to make all his own rules for distribution and pricing and things like that. It just seems like a, a bad, a bad combination uh, all around there. All right. Whiskey releases, lots of interesting stuff this week, heaven Hill. Now, a lot of this stuff that I'm going to talk about are things that we're probably never going to see. Uh, so you don't have to email me and go like, Hey, do you have a bottle of that stash somewhere? I'm probably not. Heaven Hill um, did a toasted oak uh, version of their bourbon, but they did it with toasted European oak as opposed to toasted American oak. And it is what they're calling the Ryder Cup edition. So it is done to commemorate the Ryder Cup golf tournament. So I don't know that we'll ever see any of that in the market. I promise you guys, I have already put out messages to my friends at Heaven Hill, see if any of that will be available. Uh, but being a Ryder Cup edition, I'm assuming it's probably just going uh, towards the Ryder Cup event. 
But then this one is really exciting. And this is the one that I'm hoping we might get a chance to see. It's called Heaven Hill Select Stock. And it's barrels of Heaven Hill juice. There's three versions of it. One is finished in brandy barrels. One is finished in sherry barrels. And one is filled or finished in Armagnac barrels. All bottled at 100 proof. I am hoping and praying that these come to mass, that these get, you know, obviously they're not going to get a wide release and there's not going to be five K stacks of it on the floor, but I'm hoping that some of that shows up here. Uh, yeah. Heaven Hill select stock finished in sherry barrels. Are you kidding me? Finished in Armagnac barrels at a hundred proof. I am I promise you guys, I, I have feelers out there. I am digging into it. And not only that, but when I'm down in Kentucky, I'm going to be looking for a lot of this stuff uh, as well. Buffalo Trace, I just saw a label approval for this, and people are going to lose their goddamn minds over it. It's a product they are calling Daniel Weller. And the label says it's the Emmer Wheat Recipe. I don't know what any of that means. I don't know who Daniel Weller is. But it's in the Weller family. It's a similar-looking label to Weller. It's a similar-looking bottle. Uh, it's going to be 94 proof. Uh, I don't know anything more about it, but I will continue to research. Uh, and as more details on that product become available, I will share them out with you. Uh, a couple of things from Buffalo Trace, again, uh, that we'll probably never see. The second one is... In their experimental collection, Buffalo Trace has announced they have done a peated bourbon. Uh, something I never thought I would see from Buffalo Trace. Um, and it's just, peat is such a polarizing thing. Uh, I've had the Kings County peated bourbon. I like it a lot, but, you know, it tends to... It's what turns a lot of people off from scotch because they think all scotch is peated and smoky. Uh so I think it's a bold move, but it does come in 375s, which I appreciate. Uh, I was just talking to my friends from Horseshoe Barrel Society yesterday, and we were talking about how we wish uh, more of these specialty releases came in 375s because then there would be more bottles available for people to try. You get it at a little bit lower price point, just more access for people. Um, MSRP 47-ish. Uh, for a 375, and it is a 10-year bourbon uh, where they have replaced the barley with peated malt. Uh, so it could be interesting, but again, I don't think uh, we're ever going to see that here in Massachusetts. Uh, here's a couple bottles I'm going to be looking for when I go down there. New Riff, they did two bourbons, one with yellow lemming corn or yellow leeming, and one with blue chlorage corn. Um, their standard mash bill, 65 corn, 30%, uh, rye, 5% malted barley. These are strands of heirloom corn, um, sort of ancient varieties of corn before it evolved into kind of the yellow dent corn. That's pretty familiar for bourbon now. Uh, so, and it's new riff. So I'm really curious as to how these, uh, taste and, and what using these different heirloom strands of corn uh, will do to the bourbon uh, MSRP 56 ish. Um, but that's one I will definitely be looking for when I am down in Kentucky and just 
four short weeks, really. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, Blackened Whiskey, the Metallica project that was started with Dave Peckerel uh, before he passed. Uh, they are releasing a cask strength version of Blackened. And Blackened is a blend of bourbon and rye sourced. Uh, I'm not sure where it's sourced from, to be honest with you right now. Uh, it's then finished in Blackened brandy barrels. And then they play Metallica songs for some sonic vibration to kind of help the whiskey age. Uh, there is some science that that stuff actually does work. And finally, the last interesting release, uh, press release. The, the whiskey's not out yet. It'll be out later this year. Uh, Remus Repeal 7. Now, I found out some interesting stuff about Remus Repeal. This was first done in 2015. Um, and it was called Metz Select because Greg Metz was the master distiller at MGP at that point, uh, which is now known as Ross and Squibb Distillery. Uh, he put it out. It didn't really have much fanfare, didn't really succeed, uh, and they kind of changed it and renamed it Remus Repeal in honor of George Remus. And really, the first four releases of that whiskey didn't really get a lot of fanfare, You know, didn't really move the needle a lot. And then Remus Repeal 5 came out, and it blew everybody's socks off. That whiskey is one of the top five bourbons I have ever had. It was absolutely fantastic. And then the Remus 6 last year came out, a little bit higher price point, and a little bit younger juice. Uh, so I don't know if they're running out of some of that older juice or what the deal is, uh, but this year's blend is going to be the second lowest average age. Now, again, I don't get so wrapped up in age statements that I'm going to shun it because it's not as old as the five was. Um, just sort of stating facts that it is the second lowest age. It's also the second highest rye average age uh, for a Remus repeal. So here's the breakdown. 6% of the whiskey was distilled in 2007 with the 21% rye mash bill. Uh, and by the way, the two bourbon mash bills for MGP are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4% malted barley, and 60 corn, 36 rye, 4% malted barley. Um, so when I read off the rye stats, those are the full complete mash bills. So 6%, 07, 21% rye. That means it's 16-year-old whiskey um, if it was pulled this year. 26% was distilled in 2013, 21% rye. So that's 10-year-old juice. 21%, 2014, 21% rye, 9 years old. 26% uh, was distilled in 2013 with 36% rye, again, 10 years old, and 21% distilled in 2014 36% rye, nine years old. So 6% of the whiskey is 16, which is really good old stock. Um, and then if you had to put an age statement on the bottle, it would be a nine-year bourbon. Now, what I also found out is you have to put those percentages on the label. If you are using multiple ages on the label of your bottle, you are supposed to put down the percentage breakdown of each. 
So learn something new uh, every day. Uh, I don't know what the price point is going to be. I'm going to assume with the way things go, I'm probably a buck 20 this year, but I can't confirm that yet. Again, it probably won't be out until the fall. All right. I am going to take a quick break. Go grab a couple of samples of tequila, a couple of samples of mezcal in my new favorite Mexican beer. And we're going to talk about Cinco de Mayo, tequila, mezcal, beer, and how money ruins everything. Good can crack right there for my new favorite Mexican beer. All right, we are back. Uh, Spirit Sky Podcast Season 3, Episode 17. Happy Cinco de Mayo, a sizable amount of tequila samples. And then money ruined everything. And what I just cracked, you know, there's a new trend in, in beer that we're seeing. And I've talked about it before. Brands like Corona, Heineken, and now Modelo. Um, where there's a a non-alcoholic version, a light version, a low-carb version, and a full-bodied version. And this is the Modelo Ore, O-R-E. Uh, and what this is, and, you know, I'm drinking beer. And if you guys are going like, well, there's sugar in beer. Well, this is why I'm drinking it. It's three grams of carbs. There's 90 calories per serving. Um so it's it's lower on the carbs. It's better. And a lot of these beers I have tasted just sort of taste thin and watery. And I tried this uh, maybe last week, you know, kind of on a whim because, you know, I'm always looking for a low calorie option and love drinking beer. And, you know, when you're sitting out again, hot sun, you know, you don't want to be just chugging down glasses of whiskey. So, you know, it's either beer or, or seltzer and Every now and then I want a beer. So I'm, I'm always looking for something that is, like everybody I feel like in life, we're always looking for something that's better for us, but we're not sacrificing too much on the other end. So I'm looking for, you know, the less calories, the less carbs. And I get that I'm going to have to sacrifice some flavor. Uh, I'm just looking for the, the best possible compromise. And this one seems to, to be it. Now, before we get into my beer and oh yeah they're mowing the lawn outside of my studio right now that's awesome uh proves that it's real uh yeah before i get into all this and talking about not only what is cinco de mayo um and how have we ruined it uh but also what is mezcal and what is tequila because i i'm on this mission lately to really try to help people navigate when they're shopping and maybe this is sort of my anti-capitalist thing, but, you know, corporations put so much time and effort and money into branding and marketing, almost setting it up so they don't have to do the work anymore. You know, I, I had this conversation at, at work this week of like, you know, well, we have these good products. Good products don't matter. I mean, they matter to me uh, and I want them to matter to you guys. But it's, you know, what celebrity is behind this brand? What hip hop artist is drinking this at a club? You know, what kind of cool packaging does it have where people 
have kind of lost sight of the, the quality inside the bottle. And my job, not only as a spirits guide, but as a business person, is to find good quality products in a, you know, that I can kind of pass on to my customers, to you guys, um, that you're getting the best for your money, whether it's a brand you've heard of or not. And, you know, sometimes doing that, because I'm not always there, uh, requires you to, you know, do a little work of how to navigate what's on the label, um, where does it come from, all these little tidbits of information that don't guarantee that a product's going to be great, um, but they certainly uh, increase your chances of, of getting a good product. But again, before I get into that, I want to do a quick barrel update because somebody mentioned to me uh, that I hadn't talked about the barrel in a couple weeks. So I already told you guys I had a one liter barrel, a two liter barrel. Uh, the one liter I filled up with Pinot de Charente and Calvados and pear brandy. The two liter barrel I filled up with brandy, rum, and Amaro. I dumped those seasoning liquids and then I refilled them. The one liter uh, was my Bernheim Larceny uh, double wheat blend with a touch of Parker's wheat in there. And the two liter that I called the heavens, uh, the hills of heaven just has pretty much every heaven hill product I could get my hands on. Mellow corn, uh, Bernheim, Larceny, Rittenhouse, uh, Evan Williams, Elijah Craig. It's got all these heaven hill products and kind of what I had left of some Parker samples as well. So I ended up dumping the barrel of the double wheat because it was finished so quickly. I didn't want to lose anything. So that barrel has been dumped, bottled, and that has been refilled with a blend of bourbon, rum, and brandy. And so now I just poured off a sample from the two liter barrel that has all the Heaven Hill products in it. That's been sitting in a barrel, again, seasoned with Amaro rum and brandy. And let's see what we got. I feel like I did this a couple weeks ago uh, and I wasn't sure if I was going to dump it then or let it go. And I did decide to let it go. So let's see where it's at. Hmm. It's coming along nicely, but it's also taken a weirdly kind of funky turn. And I think I told you guys at one point I had done a barrel that I think I, I aged Negronis in and then filled it up with whiskey and tasted it after about a month and a half. And it was just absolutely God awful. And so I just kind of resealed the barrel, put it in a dark corner and forgot about it for a long time. And then about nine months later, it had turned into this amazingly gorgeous whiskey. So yeah, that's got a weird, a weird funk in it right now. So I'm going to leave it because it's either going to get a lot worse. I mean, I wouldn't drink this now. So if it gets worse, you're not losing anything, but I'm going to chance it and see maybe if it turns around and maybe if it takes a turn, you know, as the weather starts to warm up, my home is going to get a lot warmer. Uh, so we're going to see some some things, some weather influences on those barrels. Might even leave them outside in the sun uh, just to see what happens. And we'll play with it. Um, but yeah, as of right now, that is not ready to be dumped and bottled. All right. So 
All right, let's try this beer to get that flavor out of my mouth. Just really good beer. You know, people, what does it taste like? It tastes like beer. Just a, a typical good old lager, Budweiser, Coors Banquet, you know, that style of beer. It's a little bit lighter, but again, you're going to lose something to gain something. So, and it doesn't have to knock your socks off. I'm not going to be sitting out drinking this on a Sunday afternoon playing cornhole, breaking down flavors. I just want something that tastes good, that's drinkable. And, you know, again, three grams of carbs, 4% alcohol. So it's like a session beer. So you can just drink a whole bunch of these, enjoy the taste, um, and, and enjoy your friends. So Modelo Oro. Uh, I think I actually posted that up on, on Instagram a while back. All right. So here we are. It's Cinco de Mayo. First question is, what the hell is Cinco de Mayo? And this is where kind of the money ruins everything aspect of things comes in. Of Cinco de Mayo is a, a Mexican holiday. No, it is not Mexican Independence Day like a lot of people think it is. It is the celebration of a battle that took place, I think, late 1800s. I want to say it was the Battle of Puebla uh, when the French had a stronghold in Mexico and there was a Mexican uprising and they were able to defeat the French and run them out of town. A year later, the French came back with a bigger army and just crushed them. So it's it just sort of celebrates one singular barrel uh, battle. And, you know, there are people involved in the battle who are also involved in politics, and they commemorated the, the battle and they made it a big deal. Here's the thing. In Mexico, they barely even celebrate it today, and they certainly don't celebrate it the same way we do here in America. And, you know, obviously there's a big sort of Mexican population in California. So it's been recognized as a holiday in California, you know, for a hundred years or so. But around the 80s, companies like Corona, Jose Cuervo, um, you know, beer brands and tequila brands use this as an opportunity to market Mexican products as a way to generate sales. And I was, you know, I was having this conversation of like, yeah, it really does come down to to money when you think of things like St. Patrick's Day. I, I don't think in Ireland they're drinking green beer and getting in bar fights, you know, and eating corned beef and cabbage. That's an Americanized thing created to sell more beer and more Irish whiskey. You know, Mother's Day is a way to sell more greeting cards. You know, Christmas, you don't bring one gift. Christmas is all about buying lots of gifts and spending lots of money. Thanksgiving is promoted as a big holiday, let alone the, the dubious sort of origins of it as a way to sell more wine, more spirits, more food. They're economical bumps at certain marks of the year. Yeah, people in Mexico barely even recognize Cinco de Mayo from all the research I have done. Maybe everything I've read is completely wrong and they are down there just ripping shots of Cuervo and licking salt off their forearms and, you know, munching on limes. I don't know. They're all eating plates of nachos and having quesadillas all the time. I don't know, but it certainly feels like an Americanized thing uh, to just take it, 
make it completely over the top and excessive and use it as a way to exploit and market and get people to buy. I mean, heaven knows the amount of Corona that we bring into the store in preparation for a Cinco de Mayo. Heaven knows the amount of Patron and Don Julio and Espelon that we have brought in. And it works because over the past week at the store, the sheer amount of tequila that I have sold is staggering. Um, so people are buying into it, which is fine. And tequila is great. And mezcal is great. And again, I, I want to talk about mezcal here because everybody goes for the tequila and they completely ignore the mezcal, which is just on the rise up and coming. Um, but yeah, clearly it works. And again, that's fine. And if you're having fun and you're getting together with people uh, and you're connecting, that's awesome. It's great. Uh, and it's great that there's a reason to do that. Um, and a lot of these things that I kind of talk about and, and kind of shit on a little bit, uh, I do it sort of jokingly because I don't want to completely knock these things uh, because there is some positives. But I also, you know, it's important to know sort of the truth and the roots and the foundations of what we're doing that, you know, we're not out drinking pitches of margaritas and eating mountains of nachos because Mexico won their independence on the 5th of May. It's not what happened. Uh, and I just want to, I think it's important that we understand that um, sort of aspect of it. So I'm starting out with Mezcal. I've got so many tequilas and some amazing tequilas to try later. Um, but I've got a couple of mezcals that are kind of my new favorites. And the first one I have is called Ojo de Tigre. Uh, it means Eye of the Tiger. And of course, I left the bottle across the room. Uh, talk amongst yourselves while I walk across the room and grab this bottle. Listen to the sound of the grass being mowed outside my window. All right. Here we go. So now the question becomes like, what is Mezcal? And I'm getting this more and more in the store, which is why I kind of felt like this was an important thing to do on the podcast. You know, tequila is a Mezcal. Mezcal is an agave-based spirit um, that is made from a multitude of species of agave. Somewhere around 50 different species of agave uh, can be used to make Mezcal. The difference between mezcal and tequila is tequila can only be made from one species of mezcal, and that is, you know, blue agave or Weber agave, named after Dr. Weber. If you discover something, you get to name it after yourself. Um, so with mezcals, when you're navigating that minefield, there are some, you know, I just read an article too that kind of supported this. Like the more information that is on the label of a bottle of mezcal, the better off you are. So the Ojo de Tigre, which is a great sort of swing top bottle, um, you're always looking for some key things. One, 100% agave. You're always looking for that on the label. You're looking for the words artisanal or ancestral. I'm not going to give a whole class on Mezcal. You can kind of look it up and do that, that homework on your own. But basically, those are the two highest qualities of Mezcal that there are. Then you're looking for a classification uh, the one I'm drinking is a Hoven, which is basically silver. Hoven means young. Uh, so it's a clear Mezcal. Uh, same rules apply for Mezcal that apply for tequila, Reposado, 
means rested two to 11 months in oak barrels. And yeho is a year or more. It means aged. So this is a young mezcal. Um, the maguey. Maguey is the type of mezcal. Uh, so this, actually, the maguey is from Oaxaca and Puebla. The varieties of maguey, the varieties of agave are espadine and tobala. And again, you guys can look it up. Each one of these different mezcal, uh, different uh, agaves have their own sort of flavor traits and, and characteristics. Uh, roasting, it's done in a stone pit. So it's very important. People ask me, like, why does it taste smoky? Because what they do with the agave, and I'll give you a website at the end of the podcast that has a great video on it of how like tequilas and mezcals are made. But once they've kind of, kind of, Got the agave, they need to cook it off and they dig a pit. They start a fire in there, get some charcoal going, throw the agave on top of it, bury it and roast it kind of like a clam bake. So it gets all that smoke. So depending on the type of wood, whether they're using mesquite in there, uh, some of the older mezcals uh, before we've really put some effort into it, would throw things like rubber in there, whatever was like flammable and would sustain and create smoke uh, and heat they would throw in that pit, you know, and then once it's roasted, it gets that smoky flavor. You break down the agave, you make the mezcal. Uh, this was distilled in a copper still and it's a 750 milliliter bottle. The other question I get is how do I drink it? Here's everything that I've done research on and, and read about. Um, you typically want to use a wider mouth glass. You don't want to use ice. It is meant to be sipped. Um, mezcal is kind of like scotch to me too, uh, where they're all a little bit different. If you like the sort of peaty smokiness of scotch, this could appeal to you. But not every mezcal is super, super smoky. It's kind of one of those big misconceptions. They recommend, it is recommended to be drank with a slice of orange uh, and something called worm salt. And it literally is the gusanos that live inside the agave are kind of ground into the salt. Gusano, worm salt, or like a chili salt. And what I have here, which my girlfriend was wonderful enough to buy for me, is some ancho chili salt. What I did was I cut myself a slice of orange, cut a little notch in the orange, ran the rim of the glass through that notch, then dipped it into a plate of this salt to get just a little bit on the rim of the glass. And so now you want to use a wider mouth glass because you want to be able to smell it. Also with some of the smokiness that will dissipate with a wider um, sort of glass as well. Oh man, here we go. That is wonderful. The saltiness, the orange slice, the mezcal itself, it, it, it's like an explosion of, of flavors. There's so many layers to that. So simple to drink. And again, it's not recommended to be served with ice. All that being said, you want to drink it out of a champagne flute? It's your mezcal. Do whatever you want with it. You know, you want to throw ice in it? It's your mezcal. You bought it. You do whatever you want. Whatever is going to help you to enjoy that. I got to go back in for a second sip of that. The salt really ties everything together because it just kind of leaves your mouth watering where you 
you need another sip. Oh yeah, that is so, so good. So that is Mezcal number one, Ojo de Tigre. Uh, relatively affordable too. I want to say high 30s on the shelf. Then we get into some slightly higher end ones. And the next one, ooh, ooh, ooh. Ah, a little cork pop there on my mezcal. This was my new favorite until the next one showed up. Uh, but I love this mezcal. Uh, this is Villa Suso. And the, the bottle, you know, I think I've put a picture of this up on Instagram before. Uh, Villa Suso. And again, reading down the front label, mezcal artisanal, uh, Villa Suso Hoven. Uh, it's from a town that I cannot pronounce, and I am not going to disrespect by massacring the name. 100% agave. The agave type is wild salmayana. And what's really fun about mezcals now is fine. You know, most of what you see out there for the longest time was, you know, agave espadine. And I don't know a lot about this. I know enough to help guide you guys through the minefield, uh, but I am by no means an expert on Mezcal. I just know that I see Espadine on almost every bottle of Mezcal, or at least the first batch of Mezcals. Now that I'm starting to expand my selection at the store, um, I'm looking for things that aren't Espadine. But Espadine is, is, seems to be the most common agave that's out there. And, you know, again, if you think they all taste the same, there are different smoke levels and there are different agaves that present different flavor characteristics. And, you know, this one, the bottle kind of drew me in when the rep came and tasted me on it. Uh, and then the fact that they don't smoke their agave for their mezcal, they actually steam it. So there's no smoke involved. Now, you get some really subtle, smoky flavors, uh, but that is more from the terroir, um, you know, the, the earth, the flavors that the agave is picking up from the ground and its surroundings, not from being roasted in a fire pit with mesquite. What do we get for proof point on that? Uh, typically, they're, you know, right around 80. A uh, little bit higher proof point is always going to be good. Uh I one of my favorites is uh the Madre Mezcal, which is 90 proof, and that extra 10 proof points makes a ton of difference in the flavor. All right, Villa Suso. Mm. It's rich, it's creamy. There's no smoke whatsoever. There's some like white pepper softness. There's there's like a some hints of vanilla, but also tropical and herbaceous notes. Oh man, that just leaves my mouth watering for more. All right, I got one more that I'm going to get into here. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I can kind of add into the sort of mezcal lexicon. You know, other than they're just, they're interesting, they're different. Like I said, 
if you're a scotch drinker and you're looking for a lighter spirit and with the price of a scotch the way it is these days, uh, a more affordable spirit, a more summer-friendly, clear spirit, mezcal is the way to go. Um, but also, if you're if you're a vodka drinker, if you're a gin drinker, if you're a clear rum drinker, mezcal is a great way to go. Because again, there's so many flavor profile options you have. Um, and there are things you can do with it. You know, like you could use this in place of tequila in a margarita, especially something like a smokier mezcal to make like a smoky, spicy margarita. Uh, mezcals to me work great in a cocktail called a Paloma, um, with grapefruit juice, uh, grapefruit soda. Uh, it's supposed to be grapefruit juice, a little bit of lime juice and some soda water, but I just cheat and bipolar grapefruit dry mezcal and grapefruit dry. Absolutely killer cocktail. Mezcals go great in Negronis. Um, you can even use them in like an old fashioned style drink. There's a lot you can do cocktail wise if cocktails are your thing uh, with mezcal. So they give you a lot of versatility. And to me, they give you a lot more versatility than tequila kind of does uh, when it comes to making cocktails or even just a drinking experience uh, as much as I, I love tequila. And again, you get some Añejo mezcals. You can get some Reposado mezcals uh, that also work even better in things like Negroni's. Or old fashioned. All right. My new favorite mezcal, Boscal Damiana. Now, this is actually a Hoven mezcal and is made with the Chinizo species of agave. 84 proof uh, mezcal artisanal product of Mexico, all the, the right places, distilled with Damiana. Now, I had read this in one of the you know email newsletters I get on a daily basis. And every now and then, one of them's got a list of like 12 mezcals you need to try in 2023. And I'm going through because I'm always looking for something different and interesting. And I came across this. And it really only had a picture of the label, not the bottle. And Damiana, I was like, what, what is that? Damiana is a flower that grows symbiotically with agave out in Mexico. So they coexist right next to agave. So it's a natural pairing. And what they do, and again, I'll talk about this when we get into tequila, like some of the buzzwords or some of the things that they try to sell you on, like, oh, our tequila is double distilled. Almost every tequila is double distilled. Uh, and it has to be for a variety of reasons. But on the second distillation with the Boscal, they put this Damiana flower in there. They distill it with it. And quite honestly, I don't know if they put it in a basket in the column. I don't know if they put it in a cheesecloth and let it steep in there. I'm not sure how they distill it with the Damiana flower, uh, but they do. And it makes a difference. So what is the Damiana flower? It's something that has a mythological sort of property in Mexican culture uh, that has been used to increase... Uh, stamina, strength, uh, and sexual prowess. Uh, who knows if that's true? Uh, but if you have a couple of glasses of this and you, you know, start to feel a little frisky with your significant other, you know, could be that you're drawn to him. 
and it could be that it's enhanced by the Damiana flower. So right away on the nose, I mean, you get a little bit of that typical mezcal smoke, but it's dialed way, way down. The smoke is so light, but the floral characteristics you get on this just jump right out of the glass. It smells like flowers, like like smoky honeysuckles. All right, here we go. Mm. Smoky, floral, vegetal, probably about 60 bucks in the shell. To me, worth every single penny of it. If you are looking for something different, something unique, something that stimulates your palate, awakens your mind to go like, wow, there's still cool stuff to discover out there. This is the bottle for you. And by the way, the bottle, hand-blown glass, so, so funky. It kind of looks like one of those uh, fake rocks that's like a Bluetooth speaker, uh, but if it was made out of glass. Um, really, really just, again, all three of these bottles, are they good? Yes. Are they worth the money? Absolutely. Do they start a conversation? I'll post the lineup on Instagram You know, when this podcast gets released. You guys make the decision yourself. I think these are three of the cooler bottles, uh, three of the best Mezcals I've had. And this Boscal Damiana is definitely one of the most interesting things I have ever, ever tasted. All right. Take one last break. Get the Mezcals off the table here. Bring in the tequila. Talk a little bit about what tequila is. Uh, a little bit more about Cinco de Mayo. And then we're just going to go to town and, and drink a whole bunch of tequila. So grab yourself a drink and uh, meet me back here in a second. All right, here we are. Season three, episode 17, Spirit Sky podcast, talking about Cinco de Mayo with a sizable amount of tequila samples and how money ruins everything. From here on out, all I'm doing is drinking tequila. Uh, not a lot of notes, not a lot of backstories, not a lot of specs or texts or anything like that. Just drinking tequila, talking tequila, enjoying tequila. And, you know, agave spirits are definitely on the rise. They're hot. But I have a lot of friends out there. A lot of you guys I know are agave and tequila nuts. Uh, so hopefully this uh, works for you. Uh, one more thing to touch upon with Mezcal before we go on to tequila. Um, people ask you, oh, isn't Mezcal the thing with the worm in it? Sometimes people even think that tequila has a worm in it. Uh, I've never seen tequila with a worm in it, but I have seen Mezcal with a worm in it. Uh, and it's called Gusano. Gusano is Mexican for worm. Uh, so sometimes you'll see Mezcal con Gusano. Uh, I've even seen them with scorpions or other things. One, no, you do not hallucinate. Two, it's not actually a worm. It's like a like a bull weevil lava that lives inside the agave. And lastly, yeah, it, it doesn't signify good mezcal. Um, yeah, if you see a worm in it, it's usually not great mezcal. I would avoid that at all costs. And no, the silly sort of myth that if you eat the worm, you're going to hallucinate. Not really a thing. So 
talking tequila and again, sort of navigating the minefield that is tequila. Uh, there's things you always want to look for on the label. Um, you want to look for 100% agave or 100% blue agave or 100% Weber agave. Always, always, always. Uh, stay away from anything that is marketed as gold tequila. One, it's not an official classification of tequila. And two, the only thing that makes it gold is the addition of caramel coloring, which depending on who you talk to may or may not add flavor. But whatever it is, it's just not a natural product. Um, and they can blend other things. So typically a gold tequila won't be listed as 100% agave. It might be deceptively packaged as made with blue agave. You know, and again, pay attention to those wordings made with blue agave. Doesn't say 100% blue agave, just that there's blue agave in there because that's the only thing you can make tequila from. But gold tequilas, mixto tequilas, hoven tequilas um, can also be made with other sweeteners. Kind of like, you know, the blended whiskey category in America where it has to be, you know, a certain percent of straight whiskey and then it can just be uh i think i just saw uh 10 high whiskey which is not a bourbon it's a it's just a, a whiskey but it was like 28 percent straight whiskey 72 percent just grain neutral spirits um and yes all whiskeys are made from grains uh but when it says grain neutral spirits it probably means that it was distilled to maybe 180 190 proof uh as opposed to bourbon which can only be distilled um, up to 160. So the, the point is, is with like those gold and Hoven and Mixto tequilas, uh, part of it is tequila. And the other part of it is just some sort of kind of neutral spirit that's been added into it. And then some food coloring. So you kind of want to avoid that uh, and stick with just good, all natural tequila. Uh, now, there are no laws in Mexico that say you can't add sweetener to it. Uh, so you got to be careful with that. There's a very helpful app uh, that you can download on your phone. It's called Tequila Matchmaker. My friend Peter turned me onto it. It has been a great resource for me uh, ever since then. And you can look up the tequila by the brand name or what's called the gnome. And usually somewhere on the back label, you'll see the letters N-O-M with a number that follows it. That's the number of the distillery. Much like, you know, when you're looking up bourbon and you see like DSP-10, uh, the gnome is the number of the distillery. So you can actually search tequila on Tequila Matchmaker by the gnome. Uh, and then that gets interesting because you can see what other tequilas are produced at that distillery. So you can look on Tequila Matchmaker and typically it will tell you if there are any sort of sweeteners added to it. The other thing that makes tequila really difficult to navigate right now is just the insane influx of celebrities um, who are starting tequila brands. Uh, everybody from, you know, Joe Jonas, uh, the, uh, well, Sammy Hagar, um, Carlos Santana, George Clooney, Guy Fieri, um, the Jenner uh, with the 818 tequila, the Rock with Terramana. So there's just so many. You know, Kevin Hart has a brand of tequila. And, you know, sometimes with those celebrity-owned brands, 
yeah, they're just kind of slapping a name on it as a way to brand themselves and extend their brand to the tequila. Sometimes it's because the tequila wants a celebrity attached to help increase the profile of their brand. And sometimes every now and then it's a legit partnership where the celebrities get involved. So sometimes you got to do a little bit deeper dive. Uh, One of the tequilas that I'm really hot on right now, uh, which is the Espanita brand is owned by Pitbull. But from everything I've seen and read, he's very, very involved, um, you know, in sort of the production and the blending and the flavor profiles that he wants. And you don't really see a lot of hype and pomp and circumstance of, you know, it's Pitbulls, maybe in other markets uh, you do. But either way, like I don't see a lot of kind of hype behind Pitbulls tequila. It just sort of quietly flies under the radar and it's an absolutely fantastic tequila. Uh, So what I'm going to attempt to do in the next 20 minutes is drink six samples of tequila. Do not try this at home. I am a professional. Again, so because we're drinking six tequilas in 20 minutes, uh, not a lot of specs or backstories. And, you know, with tequila, there's not typically a lot of spec or backstory to go on. Um, It it should tequila should be made with really three ingredients. Water, agave, and yeast. And you need the yeast to turn the sugars into alcohol. Um, and then you need the water to kind of distill it and proof it down and all that stuff. So really three ingredients that you're looking for, um, especially in silver tequila. Because silver tequila, which is where I'm starting, is freshly distilled and bottled, typically within two months. It might sit in a barrel for a month. It might sit in a stainless steel tank Um, but anything more than two months, it's not silver. It qualifies as the next sort of level and grade of tequila. So again, not a lot of specs to really deal with there. And the first sample I am getting into, this is a new brand, just hit the market. Lalo, L-A-L-O. Probably around 42 to 45 bucks on the shelf, which seems to be the price, you know, Tequilas are pricey, no doubt. And people go like, why are they so expensive? Well, one, celebrities are trying to make money on them. Two, anything that's getting imported is going way up in price. And three, the blue agave, you know, if they're harvesting it properly, needs to be at least eight years old uh, to harvest it and get good juice out of it to make good quality tequila. That means when you go out to the desert and you or wherever they're harvesting these piñas from, these agave plants from, once you harvest that, it's eight more years until you can replace that. It's not like, you know, when we're making bourbon here in America, you go out and you harvest your corn during the harvest. The next year, you're going to have the same amount of corn year after year in those same cornfields. You don't get that in tequila. So as tequila grows in popularity and they're harvesting more and more agaves, they do get a little bit more scarce, uh, which, you know, supply and demand drives the price up. All right, Lalo Silva Tequila. By the way, tequila is more than just shots, too. I know for a long time, especially when I was younger, we were just drinking shots of Jose Cuervo, and that's why a lot of people don't like tequila because they were drinking it in shot form, uh, probably with other stuff and then getting sick on it. Um, If that was you years ago and you swore off tequila, Come back to the fold. It's a beautiful, magical spirit full of wonderful flavors. All right, here we go. Lalo. 
Mm. Little hints of white pepper on the back. Very herbaceous. Touch of vanilla. I love the rich mouthfeel on this. You know, we talk about mezcal typically not being drank over ice. This, throw a cube in it, throw a, a slice of orange or, you know, my friend Jay likes to muddle up a lime in the bottom of the glass and just pour some tequila in. Uh, yeah, a little bit of citrus fruit, one big cube, and you've got a beautiful, beautiful sipper uh, for a nice Sunday afternoon or a nice Tuesday night, whatever. Wow. It's just rich and filling. And, you know, I would say, you know, do it like a tequila and soda, something like that. But I know it's kind of hard when you spend like 45 bucks on a bottle to just kind of mix it with soda. But this does make a great, great cocktail. Um, and if you're wondering, like, what else do I do with tequila? Uh, again, you can make tequila Negronis. You can make tequila old fashions. Um you can make Palomas, you know, tequila, again, cheat with some Pola grapefruit dry soda. Uh, tequila Sunrise. This is a cocktail that is kind of forgotten about. It's kind of one of those 80s and 90s sugar bomb cocktails, but they are still delicious. Not for me, obviously, because there's a ton of sugar in it, um, but a little tequila, a touch of OJ, you know, and if you're going to do it, do some fresh squeeze OJ, a little touch of grenadine, and don't use the roses grenadine. Uh, just loaded with so much sugar and yeah, grenadine is sweet, but find like a, a natural grenadine or just make it yourself. Um, it's kind of not that hard to make grenadine. All right, moving on. That was our silver style tequila. The next style of tequila, the next grade of tequila is called Reposado and Reposado loosely translates to rested, which means it spends between two and 11 months in oak barrels. So the color is all natural. Now, the depth of color will depend on whether or not they're using new barrels, whether or not they're aging it in sherry barrels or port barrels or bourbon barrels or just neutral oak barrels. It depends on how often they reuse the barrels. There's a brand called La Gratana, which is a great brand, but they repeatedly use the barrels because they don't want to add color. So it's the clearest Reposado I've ever seen. Um, and it just allows the the spirit to age and gain more complexity uh, without really gaining any sort of oaky flavors on top of it. So now we're on to Reposado tequila. And the Reposado tequila that I'm tasting is Don Fulano. Uh, this is a brand that's actually owned by Gallo. Great package, tall, skinny bottle. Um, so, again, no specs, but this is probably aged about five months. And you're, you're getting those same sort of tequila aromas, just a hint of oak on the nose as well. And this one's probably about 50 bucks on the shelf, which kind of in today's climate for Añejo tequila is pretty good, pretty good pricing. All right, here we go. Mm. Man, you get vanilla from the oak, and then you get like peppers, not like like white pepper, like like the fruit of like a jalapeno, you know, 
that kind of pepper, like bell pepper. You don't get the heat of a jalapeno, just sort of the, the flavor. Yeah, like jalapenos, bell peppers, vanilla. And then there's like, it's almost like some gingerbread in the middle there. It's been a long time since I've had this one, but wow. That is fantastic. And again, people say like, well, you know, what's the difference? You know, silver, reposado, and añejo. You know, to me, silver is for sipping. Um, bartending rule of thumb was always silver for shots, repo for cocktails, um, and añejo for sipping. It's your tequila. Do whatever you want with it. I like reposado tequilas to just sip on, but that's just sort of the way I drink. But really, something like this is going to hold up great in a margarita with all the citrus fruit and the orange liqueur. Like those flavors are going to work a little bit better. I always find that silver tequila kind of gets a little lost in the sauce of a margarita uh, just because it doesn't always have the same backbone that when you start piling some of these other flavors on, uh, they tend to get lost a little bit. All right, next classification of tequila, Añejo. So when you see the word Añejo on the label, roughly translates to aged. Uh, Reposado roughly translates to rested, by the way. Aged tequila. That means it spends a minimum of one year in oak barrels. There's no laws that says what kind of oak barrels. So this is where, you know, the specs can be a little bit more important. Uh, and a lot of times they'll be listed right there in the label. Uh, so if it's agent, again, bourbon barrels. Uh, I know uh, Espelon, for example, their Añejo tequila is aged in bourbon barrels. And I forget which ones. They might be wild turkey barrels. In fact, yeah, they are. Um, uh, Espelon Añejo is actually aged in wild turkey barrels. They're all owned by Campari. Uh, and that's the thing with a lot of these brands being owned by, say, a Constellation or a Diageo or a Campari, you know, those giant massive corporations who own a tequila brand typically own a whiskey brand of some sort. Uh, so there's a lot of barrel exchanges going on between there. Uh, but it could be aged in port barrels, sherry barrels, Armagnac barrels, whatever. It just has to be oak barrels or wood barrels. So the Añejo tequila that I am diving into is Pesote. Uh, this is a new one for me at the store. Uh, I honestly haven't even tasted this yet, so this is going to be my first crack at it. Uh, this is a brand I've done really well with the silver tequila, the silver Pesote. And Pesote was the first tequila that I absolutely fell in love with. Um, I was right at the beginning of COVID. And, you know, tequila was really hot during COVID. Everybody was was drinking it, and it was going out of stock, and... I was just looking for different tequilas to fill holes because I couldn't get the standard bulk brands, things like Cuervo, you know, Milagro, Casamigos, like all these things were stock issues. And I came across this brand, Pesote. We brought it in. I love the package. And I tasted the Pesote. And I remember thinking like, whoa, this is different. This is funky. This is vegetal. And funky in the way like good Jamaican rum is funky. The Pesote just kind of nailed it for me. And I realized like, whoa, tequila can be different and interesting and complex. And I've done well with it for years now. It was time to expand the lineup in the store. 
So I brought the Añejo in, kind of sight unseen, just kind of on how good the silver is. Let's see how good the Añejo is. I'm going to be honest. I don't love it. It's good, but it's got a, a woodiness to it that I'm not really in love with. I love the silver. Uh, highly recommend the silver. The Añejo, the woodiness is like, like quote-unquote local whiskeys that have that wet wood or, as my friend Peter says, shiny taste or... My friend Steve says like wood water. It's got kind of that sort of dry plank wood flavor to it. You can tell the tequila underneath it is really good. But um, yeah, the woodiness of that, not not doing it for me. All right. The next classification of tequila that I'm going to dig into is extra Añejo. And I'm going to apologize in advance. This is my chance to really, really splurge. I don't have this one in the store, but I can order it if it sounds interesting to you. Uh, this is a brand called Tierra Noble or Noble. And quick little story. So, you know, last week I talked about how I went up to New Hampshire. I found that bottle of Old Soul whiskey. I tried it. I liked it. I posted it on my Instagram. The people who distribute Old Soul reached out to me wanted my opinion on the whiskey. Uh, when I told them I liked it, they told me they distributed it in mass. I actually met with them a few days after that, tried the whole Old Soul lineup, which is phenomenal, and we'll save that for another podcast. But they also had a couple other spirits, and this is one of the ones that they tasted me on, Tierra Noble or Tierra Noble. I'm not sure. This is their Extra Añejo Tequila. So extra Añejo means it's been aged for three years or more. It's about 150 bucks on the shelf. Uh, so this is definitely a splurge bottle. But I've got some friends out there who like really, really good tequila. Uh, yeah, I'm talking to you, Sean and Jay. Uh, this may be one that you might want to uh, kind of get your hands on. Uh, they go through a malolactic fermentation, which is something that California winemakers do a lot. So it gives it a rich sort of creamier mouthfeel. Um, they're one of the highest elevation distilleries in the world. And that has an effect on the spirits. Uh, they're using American oak barrels from 75-year-old American oak trees and French oak barrels from 150-year-old French oak trees. And here's the kicker, guys. It has to be aged a minimum of three years to be extra in Yeho. Some of the tequila in this blend is aged for up to 85 months, 12 months in a year. That makes it over seven years old in American and French oak. And you guys know what a sucker I am for French oak. It's right up there with Mizanura uh, and Sherry Cask. Love the flavors that French oak imparts. So, Tierra Noble. Man, this is like, I'll, I'll say like no other tequila I've ever tasted. And it doesn't mean that it's better than all of them. Uh, it just distinguishes itself. Uh, there's no other tequila like this. All right, here we go. 
Rich. The nuttiness from the French oak. There's almost like a flavor of like cookie dough in there. Vanilla. But then underneath, there's all that sort of white pepper. And to the fruitiness of the jalapeno again. There's a lot going on here. Man, that is... That is special. Oh. Yeah, I might have to bring that into the store just because... I really think it's that good. Uh, the packaging, like every other high-end luxury bottle, is excessive. Um, but I, it's part of what you pay for, I guess, the way it's going to look on your bar. <sighs> wow, not bad. I got through almost all these tequilas. I got one more left, uh, and this is definitely a splurge bottle. I've got one of these bottles in the store. That's all I was able to get. Highly allocated tequila. Um and this is from a brand that I'm not always a fan of, not because I think they make a bad product. I just think that they charge a lot uh, for their product for what you get. And this is from Patron. I haven't tasted this at all. Uh, so this is going to be live, real, natural, on the spot. In fact, I'm going to get a clean glass for this. This is the Patron. El Cielo or El Cielo. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. This is their new luxury high-end limited release. Great looking bottle. Great looking packaging. About 140 on the shelf. Uh, and their whole sort of gimmick with this. I don't know how they graded this either. Uh, I don't know if it's listed as a silver. Uh, but the whole thing is that they distill it four times. And the premise is that they distill it four times to bring out more of the sweetness of the agave. And I don't know how that happens. Uh, I guess I got to do a little bit more research, but there really isn't a lot of info to be found other than they're proclaiming that they distill it four times to bring out more sweetness. To me, that seems counterintuitive because the more you distill it, the more you distill out the sweetness um, and the more you're just kind of distilling to raw alcohol. And the more you distill it, typically the higher the proof goes up. So the more you've got to water it down to get it back down to bottling proof. And there's no, so I got a sample bottle here from my sales rep, but there's no real information on that sample bottle. It does look like a mini Patron bottle, that short kind of squat on a square around it at the top bottling, which is not <laughs> what the actual bottle looks like. All right, so we've done silver, reposado, añejo, extra añejo. And now we're doing specialty one-off release, um, distilled four times. All right, let's see. Let's see what we got. That's gross. Yeah, that's terrible. I Wow. For 150 bucks, that is, that's terrible. Oh, it, I, I don't even know. It tastes like uh, any of my wine friends out there who know what a cork bottle of wine tastes like, like wet newspaper and wet cardboard. Yeah, that's what that tastes like. Like, like vanilla frosting that's been spread over wet cardboard. 
That is terrible. That is a do not buy, my friends. Patron El Cielo way misses the mark. For the same amount of money, you can get the Tierra Noble, extra Añejo that's been aged up to seven years. I will take that all day over whatever that Patron. Um, wow. Oh. can't get that flavor off my tongue that's awful oh i'm gonna give the rest of that sample back to my sales rep and go torture other accounts with it oh that's awful all right there it is um yeah we talked a little bit about uh cinco de mayo a little bit about tequila and mezcal i didn't get through all of my samples but just means we get to do another episode on tequila in the future. Uh, and we talked a little bit about how money kind of ruins everything, um, where we just sort of take things like Christmas and Thanksgiving and St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo and Valentine's Day, and we turn them into sort of commercial holidays that seem to all involve binge drinking for some reason or another and ways for corporations to make uh, money. So there it is. Thank you guys for listening along and, and again, spending a little bit of time in your day with me. I appreciate it. Uh, and if you're still listening at this point of the podcast, you guys know the drill by now. Go to the podcast page, click that follow button, give it a five-star rating, share it out on your social media. Follow along on Facebook and the gram um, where you can leave comments and reviews about the podcast you can also message me directly through both of those platforms. And for anything else, you can reach me at the Spirits Guide 89 at gmail.com. Oh my God, the flavor of that is still. Oh, I feel like I have a mouthful of newspaper. All right, guys, I hope you have a great week. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Yay!